0: As we resume Bible study today, please open up your Bibles to the book of 1 Thessalonians to chapter 1. And as we usually do, let me give you some background. You ready? Ready? Paul founded the church at Thessalonica (coughs) on his second missionary journey. Let's go to Acts chapter 17 verses 1 to 4. Acts chapter 17 verses 1 to 4. It was his second missionary journey. You know Acts chapter 17 well because this is where it tells us what Paul's custom was. So in Acts 17 verse 1 it says, Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them, and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead, and saying, this Yeshua whom I preach to you is the Messiah. And some of them were persuaded, and a great multitude of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women, joined Paul in silence. So this is the first founding of the church at Thessalonica. It's made up of Jews and Gentiles and even women, all of whom are believers now in our Messiah Yeshua. It was a Roman free city, the capital of the province of Macedonia. Where do you know Macedonia from? That's the kingdom of Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great's father was called Philip of Macedon. As in Macedonia. It was a very important city. Because it was on the Ignatian Way. E-G-N-A-T-I-A-N. The Ignatian Way. Which was the main east-west Roman highway. So people traveling from Turkey over to Rome are going to pass through Thessalonica and vice versa. Because it's on a major road, when people stop in Thessalonica, they may have an opportunity to learn the gospel from the Thessalonians. We know from 1 Thessalonians itself that Paul's greatest success in Thessalonica was among the Gentiles. So they were Jewish believers, but they were the minority. The greatest part of the congregation had been Gentiles. Paul was not alone in his preaching with the Thessalonians. What did we read in Acts chapter 17? we read that Timothy and Silas were working with him. How long did he spend in Acts chapter 17 with the Thessalonians? Only about a month, about a month. And then they were on their own to study the scriptures and teach the gospel. They weren't ready yet to be on their own. So Paul actually left Timothy and Silas there when he had to go on. So Timothy had been taught by Paul to the point that Timothy was ready with the assistance of Silas to continue the theological instruction of the Thessalonians. People are still making notes, just waiting. Because otherwise you'll say, oh, you're too far ahead of me. Okay. Paul wrote 1 Thessalonians. By the way, it's his first epistle, the very first writing he ever makes. From the city of Corinth. Go to Acts chapter 18, verse 5. We'll start in verse 1 just to get the context. Acts 18, the key verse is 5, but we're going to start in verse 1 for context. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a certain Jew named Achilla, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome, and he came to them. So because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked for by occupation, they were tent makers, which as you know, was not a tent made out of animal hides, but it's the tallit. Why was the tallit called a tent? Because when you would pray, you would pull the tallit up over your head and close it off like you're in a little tent to get privacy. Verse 4, and he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Yeshua is the Messiah. So Silas and Timothy, we're going to read in First Thessalonians, are just coming back to Paul after having been in Thessalonica. So we know that it was written in Corinth. We also know from the information given to us about the dating of the proconsulate of Gallo that it was written at the end of AD 51 to the beginning of AD 52. And it was the very first of Paul's letters. Paul died in the mid 60s, so 14 or 15 years after he wrote this first letter. (coughs) Just for your records. This is the order they say that Paul wrote his epistles. First Thessalonians was first, then Second Thessalonians was a year to year and a half later. The next year in fifty four he wrote Galatians. Three years later, he wrote 1 Corinthians, then 2 Corinthians, then Romans. So he wrote those three letters in that same year. And then five years later, in the year 62, he wrote three more letters, Colossians, Ephesians, and Philippians. The next year in 63, he wrote Philemon. The year after that, 1 Timothy and Titus. And last, 2 Timothy. They left off the list, the book of Hebrews. But I am convinced, beyond any rational argument against it, that Paul wrote Hebrews I also want you to know that in 1st Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 1 it begins Paul Silvanus and Timothy yes Did I say that? No. No, You've heard 2 Corinthians was written before 1st. All I can tell you is they were written the same year. And that I didn't name them. Okay. Sylvanus. We don't know much about him, do we? The answer is yes, we do. We know a lot about him. Because in most of the New Testament, he's referred to as Silas. Silas and Silvanus is the same person. But to continue our notes, 1 Thessalonians has four purposes. Four purposes. The first is to command them, to commend them, rather, commend them, to praise them, for withstanding temptation. If you know anything about Greece, Greece was deeply immoral. So they stood strong against the temptation of Greek culture. Similarly, he commends their steadfastness of faith. Greece is known for what? The worship of all the pagan gods, Zeus, Apollo, Herod, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera And everybody on all sides of them was saying, hey, you're wrong, you've you got to worship these pagan gods with us. And they would not be shaken in their faith. Then he admonishes them, which means to warn them sternly to avoid immorality. In a pagan place like Greece, there were pagan prostitutes everywhere. Homosexuality was rampant. Bestiality was rampant. And he says, stay away from it. And number four, and perhaps the most important is to encourage them about the rapture. That's the carrot that Paul holds out, and he talks about it in every chapter of First Thessalonians. It's in First Thessalonians 1:10 2:19 3:13. Chapter 4, verses 13 to 18. And chapter 5, verse 23. So the very first letter Paul writes, which goes not just to the Thessalonians, but it gets shared amongst all the churches in all of the world, pulls out the goal. Is Messiah coming for his bride? When Messiah comes for his bride, what's he looking for according to Revelation chapter 19? Is he looking for a dirty... No, he's not. He's looking for a spotless bride. Let's take a trip to Revelation 19. And notice Revelation 19 in verse 11 is when Messiah returns at the end of the tribulation period. And the description of his bride is prior to that. Look at verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come. And his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. They said, right, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. So in verse 7, the believers are not referred to as the bride, are they? They're referred to as the wife. Because the marriage ceremony was seven years before. And at the end of the seven years, that's when the bride or the wife gets presented to the world. And that's what happens when Messiah returns. With that, let's get started. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father, and the Lord Yeshua the Messiah. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Yeshua the Messiah. Grace to you is a Greek greeting. Peace is a Hebrew greeting. So he's writing to the church of Thessalonica, which has both Jewish believers and non-Jewish believers. So he's clear that he's inclusive, that he salutes them one and all. To him, they're not two subgroups. They're one in Messiah. Silvanus is not referred to very often. He's referred to here in verse 1. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Second Corinthians chapter one. Verse 19. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 19. "For the Son of God, Yeshua the Messiah was preached among you by us, by me, Sylvanus and Timothy. Was not yes and no, but in him was yes. So again, where we saw before Paul, Sidus, and Timothy, here is Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy. In 1 Thessalonians 1 1, and then in 2 Thessalonians 1 1. So let's go to 2 Thessalonians 1 1. See, it's just a matter of how you translate. The word Paul does not appear in the Greek. It's Paulus, Paulus Sylvanus. That's the way Greek names ended. Masculine names ended in an S, which is why Yeshua is Jesus in the Greek. Going to Second Thessalonians chapter one, verse one. Which again begins, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians and God our Father and the Lord Yeshua the Messiah. And then in 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. Verse 2. verse 12 verse 12 you'll say I can't read my writing Yep, verse 12 thank you by Silvanus our faithful brother as I consider him I have written to you briefly exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God in which you stand remember Paul's eyes were very bad Paul didn't write his letters Silas or Silvanus here was his clerk who did the writing. He was the scribe. Okay. Now let me read to you about Silas. Silas was a leader in the early church, a fellow missionary with Paul, and a, quote, faithful brother, as he's called in 1 Peter 5.12. He was a Hellenistic Jew. What's that mean? he's a Greek speaker hmm so when Paul is in an area where they speak Greek he's going to be an interpreter he's going to be able to write letters to them in their own language he was also a Roman citizen according to Acts 16 37 it says he is also referred to as Silvanus in Paul's epistles like we just saw when we first meet Sidus in Scripture He's a leader and teacher in the Jerusalem church. That's Acts 15, 22 and 32. After the Jerusalem council, remember Acts 15, Paul had to come down and say, there's people coming up teaching my people. They have to be circumcised to be saved. So after that Jerusalem council, Silas was chosen to help communicate the council's decision to Antioch. He was there, he's a scribe, he's taking notes, he goes with Paul to explain it to them. Soon afterwards, Paul sets out on his second missionary journey, and he took Silas as well as Timothy with him. So on the whole second missionary journey, Silas is going to be his, his scribe, his translator, his interpreter, his friend. On this journey, Paul and Silas traveled to Greece... In Philippi, the missionaries were arrested, beaten, and imprisoned. That includes Silas. But, quote, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. That's Acts 16.25. God then miraculously released them. And the jailer, having witnessed their faith, asked them, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Is he going to be asking that in Hebrew? Or is he going to be asking it in Greek? And Silas is there to help Paul make sure that he understands. Paul and Silas answered. Notice Paul and Silas answered, quote, Believe on the Lord Yeshua and you will be saved. The jailer was saved that night and he and his family were all baptized. The next day, the city officials learned that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. Uh oh, what happens when you imprison and beat Roman citizens? You're in trouble. So they were immediately fearful. The mistreatment of Paul and Silas the day before had violated Roman law. The city leaders immediately released Paul and Silas from custody. The missionaries left town, but they left behind a body of believers, the first church in Europe. How about that? Because of the imprisonment. The start of the Philippian church is a great reminder that even in extremely difficult times, God can bring about great things. God will glorify his name even through our trials and tribulations. Paul and Silas had this perspective, and that's why they were able to sing at midnight. The fact that the prisoners were, quote, listening, unquote, to Paul and Silas singing hymns is not a detail to be skipped over lightly. As followers of Yeshua the Messiah, we too have people watching how we react to life's circumstances. If Paul and Silas had been griping or protesting or whining about the injustice of their situation, the jailer may never have been drawn to believe in the Lord Yeshua. But they responded to their situation gracefully and with joy. Their actions were completely foreign to how others expected them to react because they were salt and light others had hearts opened to the gospel later Silas and Timothy ministered in Berea in Acts 17:14 and Silas spent extra time in Corinth ministering after Paul left that city Silas served with Peter as well in fact he is thought to have delivered the epistle of 1 Peter to its recipients Silas is a great example of someone who used his gifts to serve the Lord <coughs> And others with all his heart. The apostles called him faithful. And he was known as one to encourage and strengthen the brothers in Acts 15.32. Multitudes in the early church were blessed by Silas. And Paul and Peter were heartened by his faithful companionship. Silas was a brother born for adversity. So when you see Silvanus here and think, I don't know who that is. You know much more about him. Then you realized you do. So back to First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1. Or a question. So would that mean that Thessalonians would have been written in Greek since he was a Hellenist Greek speaker and most of the Gentiles in Thessalonians were Greek speakers? I would say that it was originally probably Hebrew but translated to Greek by Silas. But I can't say for sure. So Paul may have dictated it and so Silas, who spoke like both, could translate it to Greek. What makes us think that the apostles were Hebrew speakers and not <coughs> Greek speakers? It's because of Acts in chapter 5 and 6, where uh, we find that the apostles were accused of not treating the Greek-speaking <coughs> Jews properly. Okay. And always when Paul travels, he's got a Greek speaker with him. When Silas isn't traveling with them, who is? Luke. He always has a Greek speaker traveling with him. Okay, continuing next week. We will continue 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1 to talk about who is Timothy.